While story invites us to ask powerful questions, your life and your story are shaped by the questions you ask. What is the story that you ache to tell? The only way to become a better storyteller is by telling more stories. The only hope we have are the stories we tell. Stories not bound by what is possible. We are proud to be storytellers. Greetings, fellow storytellers, and welcome back to the Story Podcast. It's Harris here, and I cannot believe that we are approaching the end of another year and another season of this podcast. I don't know what your year has been like, but for me, this year has stretched me big time. I've faced so many leadership challenges and navigated a lot of conflict throughout 2019, and There have been multiple times when it felt like I was trapped in the in-between, the liminal space between no longer and not yet. The irony that our theme for each year's conference aligns with the story I seem to be living each year is not lost on me. As we explored this past September at Story in Nashville, there's so much tension in the space between, right? There's an old story and a new story. And for me, 2019 has felt like the messy middle between those two stories, leaving me trying to figure out what this part of the story looks like. And while processing it all and thinking through how to close out this year for story, our community, and this season of the podcast, I decided to share a conversation with my friend, John Booker, in which we continue to discuss some of these same themes. John is actually the one who originally introduced me to the concept of liminality to begin with. I remember driving down an interstate near midnight one night about a year ago, and I was on the phone with John, and I was venting about the chaos of my life in that moment, and he just responded with, oh man, it's all good. You're in liminal space, that's all. And I remember saying, liminal what? And even though that was my response, Thus began my journey into an embrace of the messy middle. It seems like there's been this attempt in our culture lately to associate calm and relaxation with the ideal state of being, right? And I I totally get that. Like the optimal state for our lives is to be completely confident about where we're at and for us to be totally at ease with it. And sure, that's a nice feeling when it happens. But the truth is, times of tension, uncertainty, and transition can actually end up being way more formative, impactful, and even fun if you know how to utilize them. That's why I'm so pumped to bring you this conversation. In addition to just being one of the best human beings on the planet, John is an author, director, and producer from LA, and so much more. And he's taught me a lot through his theories around the best way to use times of transition. It's not an exaggeration to say that John's thoughts shared with me over the last few years have changed my life by completely expanding my perspective. And I think this conversation can begin to do the same for many of you. All right, let's dig in. I am excited to be sitting down once again with my friend, John Booker. We're here at his beautiful home slash museum in gorgeous LA. And I love coming here, John, because you always have these amazing new magical pieces of history for us to explore and what i love about it and this is so at the heart of who you are as a storyteller is that every single time you pick up a piece it's not just yeah this is this person and it's signed by them and this is what movie they were in or it was here's this person from 18 whatever it's not the historical facts it's because it all contains a story yeah um and you just bring it to life when you tell those stories i tell you harris i feel like 
I feel like I'm the luckiest guy alive <laughs> sometimes because I I've curated this life uh, where I'm surrounded by magical pieces of wonder, and then I have all these people in my life, such as yourself, that share that with me, and that we can mm-hmm. you know benefit that from uh, benefit from that. And I tell you, you know, if if you don't have someone to share all that magic and all that wonder with, um, it can feel very empty. A lot of the time, I think those those magical objects begin to become uh, shadows across your path as opposed, of, uh, as opposed to sources of light. Mm. And I am so glad that you're here <laughs> right now where we can... Um, we can be together in uh, uh, this this little cave of wonder. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It is indeed a cave of wonder, and you always you've always had an impact on me, whether it's here in your home or from afar. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is actually why I wanted to sit down today, because there was a time that I was traveling from afar, and we were mm-hmm. talking on the phone, and we've released our story theme for 2019, and. As soon as we released the website, everyone started chiming in saying, oh my gosh, this is exactly where I am. Oh man, I resonate. And a lot of people kind of pinged me in different places and channels saying, where did you come up with this? (laughs) And every single time I say John Booker. (laughs) And the true story uh, is I was driving down an interstate late one night. I, I honestly actually don't remember what was going on in my life. I just remember that I was venting. I was basically venting on the phone about whatever situation I found myself in. And in your typical John Booker, jolly, happy, hopeful, eternally optimistic way, you say, oh, Harris, it's okay, man. You're just in liminal space. That's all. I'm excited for you. And I was like, I'm sorry, I'm in what? And you're like liminal space. And I I had never even heard of this concept. And you did two things. One, you began to explain it to me briefly on the phone and my brain started exploding and (laughs) smoke started coming out of my ears. I was like, oh my gosh. And second, I woke up the next morning to a few articles that you had forwarded me. And it was everything from architects talking about physical spaces that are sort of somewhat liminal and how those spaces are sometimes overlooked, but now designers are trying to rethink those spaces and the purpose of liminal spaces to ancient mystics talking about liminal space being holy because when a human being is in a series of transition or they're in, they're in the, in between, they kind of feel trapped because a lot of times it's that work that is in flux. And when you're sitting on an airplane and someone says, what do you do for a living? If that thing you do for a living is in transition and you don't know how to explain it, it almost feels the equivalent of, I don't even know who I am yeah. because we so much tie our identity to our work. And so I wanted to be able to sit down with you and just yeah. dig into this subject a little bit more. Um, and it feels only deserving that you're the one to talk to <laughs> me about that because you're the one that introduced me to it. Uh, so let's just start with just some, not even a specific question. Yeah. Why liminal space? Yeah. I, I'm sure you don't remember that phone call, but what was it about that phone call that made you go, oh, you're just in liminal space. That's yeah. all. Yeah. Now, I I tell you, liminal space has been a concept that has absolutely transformed my life once I began to understand what it was. For those, you know, who who that word is is confusing or they, they don't know what it means, in, in a sense, it means that you're in a space between what has been and what is still to come. And often, many of us absolutely abhor the idea of being in that space. 
um, you, you often hear people say, oh, I hate moving. I hate to move. I hate being between places. I hate being between jobs. I hate being between things. Mm-hmm. Our brains crave certainty. Mm-hmm. We want to know I'm either this or I'm this. My work is this or it's this. Our whole identity base is based on this idea of us knowing who we are and what we're supposed to be doing, where we're at. And when that becomes in flux, we we begin to question who we are. We begin to question our identity, as you said. I have found this several times in my life where um, I become tempted to completely switch courses and redefine myself. And um, I I think that's a... um, a uh, temptation that many of us... Um, now you're the only one. Yeah, uh, just me, huh? Just me. <laughs> well, you know, I, I remember when I was in high school and I saw a guy wearing a fedora. Hmm. And the first week of high school, I thought, maybe I will go get a fedora <laughs> and I'll be kind of known as the fedora guy. You know, I'll be, and I, based on my experience, I'm not the only guy that's... If you're under the sound of my voice and you too were a fedora guy for some point in your life, you probably can relate to this. But I, I, I thought this is going to change how people see me. It's going to, um, it's going to to create something inside of me that that I really want to be there. So I'm going to do this external thing in order to try and create this experience inside myself, and. We, we recognize that the, the value of liminal space is we can change courses. We can become someone else. We can actually redefine our future. However, it also works against the idea of, of the, the, the security and comfort that we've known. Sometimes it's easier for us just to stay in a place of comfort and security rather than to step out into the unknown where anything could happen. We, we just want to to get into the next thing. It's, it's the reason people love games like checkers and chess. It's the reason why um, we, we like uh, to know what the, the score was at the end of a sports game. What happens in the game can be exciting, but it's really the value is placed on how the game ends. And so that's what we want to know. Um, did you ever play that game Musical Chairs mm-hmm. when you were a kid? Mm-hmm. I still sitting here get panic in my heart. I hate it. Thinking, so much anxiety. Yeah. For kids. Why do they torture us that it's way? It's a game centered around <laughs> liminal space, though, because they play the music and it's this liminal space of like, I don't know, is this going to be my chair? Is this going to be my chair? Is this going to be my chair? And and the music stops and your worst fear and how you lose the game is there's not going to be a chair for me when the music stops. And I think that's what most people are most afraid of in liminal space, is when the music stops, there's not gonna be a chair for me. Mm. I am living proof that the game of musical chairs is not how the game of life works. I am living proof that liminal space is the only space that you can experience the transcendent. You can experience something beyond yourself. It gets you enough out of your own thinking and enough out of your own comfort zone to truly step into what just might be possible for you. The only way you're going to get 
where you see and dream yourself to be is to allow yourself to be in liminal space and to allow yourself the opportunity not just to survive liminal space, but to embrace it, to enjoy it, and to recognize that this is where the potential for everything is. Obviously, there's a little bit of a thrill to musical chairs, the game, but it feels like it's hard to replicate that in life where the stakes are way higher. But according to John, the key is cultivating a love of wonder and realizing how many good things have already happened in your life because you took a risk. And if you take another risk, you're opening yourself up to fresh, new experiences beyond what you've already had. He explains a little bit more about the connection between liminal space and true wonder. Listen in. I, I think the, the the bridge between those two ideas for me is the, the bridge of the unexpected. The most powerful experiences of wonder I've ever had in my life were completely unexpected. They weren't moments I planned for. They weren't moments that I, I charted and mapped out and strategized and said, Harris, today at 3 p.m., I'm going to have this amazing experience of wonder. They were moments I didn't see coming. And when I woke up that morning, had you told me today you were going to have one of the most profound experiences of wonder, I, I, I would have never known it was coming. I, I think that sort of unknown space hmm. is what we step into every single day of our lives. I mean, you think about it, you have no idea when you wake up today what today may hold. It may hold tragedy. It may hold heartache. It may hold pain. It also may be a day that completely redefines your journey. Today may hold something for you that causes you to absolutely feel completely different about how you approach life. And, and wonder, um, while I don't think it's something we necessarily can plan on all the time, I do think we can structure our lives in such a way to have regular experiences of wonder. We can walk through life with the sort of eyes and the sort of, of glasses and goggles that are tuned to see wonder coming, where we, we can be people who, who recognize, I'm putting myself in an environment where wonder is possible. I'll say this as well. Oftentimes, Harris, I don't know wonders happening at the moment when it's happening, Wonder for me is often an experience that I, I see in retrospect. I, I have a sense of wonder looking back on that day that was so amazing. I have a sense of wonder when I think back to that experience I had with that piece of art, that day sitting in the museum just looking at that painting, that first time I heard that song, uh, that, that film that caused me to just weep and cry, that book that I read that, that, that jolted my emotions. I, I look back and I, I want to experience it again and again and again. I think it's the reason many of us watch the same movies over and over. We, we, we listen to the same songs. We have songs we love that we return to, books that we return to. We're trying to recapture that sense of wonder because sometimes it's not just about having a completely fresh moment of wonder. Sometimes it's about recapturing the wonder that we've already experienced and allowing ourselves to feel it again 
Wonder is not just this one-time momentary uh, display of fireworks in the air. I think wonder is something that when once we do experience it, we can uh, carry it around with us. And it's not by taking your phone out of your pocket and taking a picture of the wonder moment when it happens. It's something that you carry around inside yourself. And in getting to know yourself well enough, you can reaccess those places within yourself where wonder lives. It's that probably that transcendent thing that you were talking about. That's exactly yeah. it. So at this point, you might be asking, what if I fail? Like, I get that too, and that's a pretty fair question. After all, we're talking about taking a risk here, and risks that don't have a chance of failure aren't very risky. But the key with living in this liminal space is to enter with the awareness that what you're doing has an element of uncontrollable chaos to it. It's like it's baked in. And by embracing that at the outset, you could end up saving yourself a lot of headaches down the road. We're all going to make mistakes, but I think it's important um, that you you bring consciousness to it. You bring awareness to it. And, and that, if I could say anything about liminal space, to me is the key. Many of us feel like when we're in liminal space, we're in free fall. And that we, we're just waiting to hit something. I, I don't think uh, that sort of mindlessness of I'm just in free fall waiting to hit something is a healthy way to approach liminal space. I think if you can say, I'm in liminal space, I want to bring consciousness to it, I want to bring embodiment to it. What's going on in my body right now? Do I feel like I can focus on things? Uh, do I feel like I'm fully present and fully aware? Am I conscious of what I'm eating, what I'm drinking? Am I, am I you know, practicing healthy behaviors right now? Those are the things that are going to help you construct a liminal environment um, that still is open enough that the wonder of the universe can permeate that environment mm -hmm. and bring unexpected and unplanned things to your journey that will uh, cause you to... Um, be surprised by wonder, which is, I think, something that we all desire. Mm -hmm. But you, you've got to you've got to bring awareness and consciousness to this place. It can't just be a free fall in liminal space, even though it feels like that at first. Mm -hmm. For many of us, liminal space in the beginning, uh, it feels like a free fall. It feels like I'm out of control. I, I don't. I thought I knew everything I was trying to accomplish with my work. I thought I knew where this was going. I thought I knew what my job was going to be about. Now mm -hmm. I don't have that job. I, I thought I was going to partner with this person in this creative endeavor, and now that person is gone. Mm -hmm. What? It's easy and, and almost natural to feel in free fall at the beginning, but you can't stay there. You can't allow that to just be where you are. Have you ever had a dream that you recognized you were in a dream? Mm -hmm. It's called lucid dreaming. Mm -hmm. It's one of my favorite things in the world. <laughs> it happens to me so rarely, but I love... A few years ago, I went down a rabbit hole of like how to increase the likelihood of lucid, lucid dreaming. dreaming. Tim Ferriss has done a lot of stuff yeah. on that. And like, what are the, what's the concoction of supplements and drinks that... Did it work? To, uh, I never really got super into it, and it's very expensive. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I mean, I sort of toyed with it, and yeah. I would say my I, 
I feel like I remembered a lot more of my dreams and they felt more clear to me. But yeah. I was never really, I was like waking up going, is this, was that lucid? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there, there's this place that I find a lot of clarity in my creative work. And it's this place sort of between uh, the, the sleeping life and the waking life, especially when I first wake up in the morning. It's a lot of people ask me just from a practical level, um, how do you, how are you so prolific in writing so much material? One of the reasons I do that is I write first thing when I get up every morning, and I'm still sort of in that liminal space creatively. Hmm. I My editor hasn't woken up yet fully, hmm. um, and I'm still sort of in this place between sleep and wa- uh, being awake. And I've found that my creativity personally thrives more than any other time of day. I always used to try and convince myself, my creativity comes at two or three in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and maybe that's true for you, but I think every artist owes it to themselves to try, no matter what time it is you get up, try working on creative projects immediately before you get a shower, before you do anything. When you're fresh out of the bed, keep a journal next to your bed, write down the thoughts, the ideas that you have. I find that is actually one of the most productive times for me mentally and psychologically because I'm still in that liminal space. Mm-hmm. I think you can take that then into the way you approach liminal space um, in your um, um, more practical life, not just your creative life, sure. uh, in you know recognizing... Um, I, I don't try and... I'm not one of those people that writes down every dream and publishes that as a novel and says, <laughs> this is brilliant, you know? Um, I recognize that um, um, th- that's, that goes back to that idea of being in free fall. You don't want to, you know, make your free fall a work of art. Um, again, it's natural to be in free fall at the beginning of a liminal space experience, but... Um, having, and I should say, I'm not talking about necessarily feeling a sense of complete control in liminal space, because good luck with that. Yeah, no joke. You're, you're not going to feel a That's sense kind of, of the com- point. It's yeah. the point. It's the point. So there's a difference between bringing consciousness and awareness to being in liminal space and feeling a sense of control in liminal space. Those are not the same thing. You're not going to feel that sense of control. But you can have consciousness and awareness around it. And for me, on a practical level, sometimes it's just saying it out loud, saying, I'm in liminal space right now. Mm-hmm. Universe, I'm, I'm in between. I, I am you know, uh, in between what, what has been and what will be. And can I give you one last little secret on this, Harris? Liminal space is what our lives are. We're always between what has been and what will be. All we have is this moment. We, we don't have anything else. And yet we manage to live lives of meaning and discover wonder in our lives. If, if we can take that and, and apply that on a more macro level, um, then, then I think we've, we've discovered a, a buried treasure uh, in our own lives. Yeah, I, I have certainly began to feel that way because you know, when you helped me understand what that was and that I was in it and I started sharing it with other people, like I had found some treasure map or something yeah. that gave me language to describe how I felt. Literally a hundred percent of the people that I explained it to was like, Oh my gosh, me too. Yeah. And then I began to wonder, maybe it's not something that just some of us are in. Maybe it's not just me. Maybe in some way we're all either coming out of a seasonal liminal space or heading into a seasonal liminal space or, and then once you get out of one, you're going into a different one in some new way. 
Um, you, you said something earlier that was an exa- used as an example of someone leaving a career or parting ways in a relationship, which makes me wonder if some of this is just, is this the season of our culture right now in America? Because it feels like, you know, I, the culture that I'm living in yeah. is filled with a lot more transition than the one my parents grew up in. Yeah. It was kind of like you go to school, you get an education, you work for the same company for 60 years. And then now, like, you know, relationships aren't lasting as long. People are changing careers consistently. Freelancers are going from job to job without ever working for anyone. Is it just that we're much more transitional as a culture? I've always viewed you as a futurist. And so (laughs) I feel like, like, put your futurist hat on looking into the future. Is there, is it just a cultural season that we're in? We we are in a very different cultural season, I think, than we've seen before in many ways. And in other ways, we've been here before. Mm -hmm. This is not completely new in every way. I've found um, that oftentimes cultures uh, operate more on a pendulum. And I think we it's been a long time since our pendulum has swung as far as it's at right now. <laughs> but I think the pendulum will swing back. I grew up in East Texas. And we had this really interesting um, practice in East Texas with this thing called a compost pile. Did you guys have compost piles in Tennessee? I grew up on a farm, yeah. Okay, so you know what a compost pile is. Yeah, we used to have a bin under our kitchen sink like two years ago in our house. Okay. In the suburbs. (laughs) Okay, so, uh, you know, a compost pile for people that don't know is a a bin or an area for us. It was just an area outside behind the fence that we threw old food and and things that the the animals would then come. And we had like a, a piece of cardboard that we'd put over the top of it. And I remember I used to hate when I was a kid pulling up that cardboard and throwing food under it onto the compost pile. It was gross. It was nasty. But later in life, I recognized that that compost pile actually was really key to the the health of the ecosystem around us, that uh, there were tiny, nasty bugs eating that food, and there were smaller animals eating those bugs and larger animals eating those animals, and that that compost pile was really, really key. I think right now um, we are seeing, we have a front row view to uh, the compost pile of our culture. And I think what we're seeing right now is Uh, the death and decay of a lot of things, and it looks gross. It looks horrible. It looks nasty. And and we're saying, will this ever change? Will this ever? A a compost pile um, is disturbing to look at, but in essence, it's bringing new life. I mean, I mean, Harris, you're you're someone who has children. Every part of the birthing process is is beautiful in one way. It may have things that people wouldn't consider beautiful in other ways, <laughs> right? Sure. Yeah. So I, I think when we look at um, where we're at, I believe we are uh, at a place where the compost pile looks really gross. But I firmly believe that there's something new that's going to come out of it. I think there's going to be a birthing of something uh, that we cannot even imagine yet. I am looking forward to a renaissance of wonder in our culture, and I think we're seeing it um, beginning to be birthed, and it's it's painful, 
birth is giving birth is a I'm not uh, someone who's ever given birth obviously <laughs> but it appears to be a very painful process much sure. of the time it appears to look like maybe that life is coming to an end sure it's but a ac- <laughs> so yes but new life is actually emerging yeah. and I think right now that's what we have to remember is that new life is coming And even on a personal level, if you're in that liminal space, you may be birthing something that you can't see right now, but there's new life coming. All this gestation and all this that you've been working on that didn't even feel like work sometimes, it's going to birth something. It's going to give way to something. And on those days when you feel like, is this pregnancy worth it? Am I even pregnant? I think you have to remember, yeah, today it feels like I'm in that liminal space. This month, this year, this decade, it feels like I'm in that liminal space. But there still is what is to come, and that is worth waiting for. Yeah, so to get to the renaissance of wonder, it's not like we just snap our fingers and it happens overnight, which means we have to go through a season where we feel like, ah, this isn't, this isn't the overnight transition. This right. is the space between no longer right. and not yet. Um, yeah, and as we've discovered and been discussing, those spaces can be complex and complicated, and it is it is because of the unknown. That's it. Uh, and it's it's so ironic that to get to what you just I love that phrase, the Renaissance of Wonder, requires us to put wonder into practice and be okay sitting in the mystery and the unknown. And the, right. yeah, yeah, it's so good. So does this mean that we? How do we, I'm trying to figure out the best way to ask this question because it's, the answer is probably in the question somewhere, which is why I'm having <laughs> such a hard time answering it uh, or asking it. But is there, how do we not fall into the trap of, how do we not miss? Yeah. Maybe that's what I should ask. How do we not miss the perspective that is to be gained? One of the most beautiful things out of the articles that you sent me were, going back to the idea of mystics considered liminal space holy because they felt like it's where the most amount of transformation and maturity takes place. So if we could go into liminal space and go, "Uh, I don't like this, I don't like this, I don't like this, I don't like the way it feels, so I'm just going to, you know, we were talking about the Enneagram earlier and the fact that you're a seven, (laughs) which ironically is what I feel like a seven would have a hard time doing, right? (laughs) Yeah. I don't like these gross feelings. I'm just going to, everything is awesome. Yep. Right? So how do we not fall into the trap of, distracting ourselves for the sake of making ourselves comfortable. And then we miss out on all the things that are supposed to soak up and absorb and learn that can only be learned by willing to lean into the uncomfortable space. Yeah. I, I, um, maybe I'm overanalyzing. No, I don't think you are. Yeah. I don't think you are. I think the problem is how much we like ice cream. (laughs) I love ice cream, Harris. I if Me too. if I had my way, I would eat ice cream with every single meal. <laughs> Actually, if I had my way, I would eat ice cream as every meal. <laughs> but I know that not only would that be unhealthy, and I would um, I would uh, probably die in a short amount of time. <laughs> um, I also know that after probably a few days, you know what I'd get sick of ice cream. I think it's very easy for us to um, fantasize about living lives 
that we only enjoy the ice cream of our artistic endeavors. Um, I've learned, and I think this takes time and some maturity, but I've I've been learning how to enjoy the vegetables of my artistic endeavors. Sometimes um, eating your vegetables is... um, it takes discipline. It takes, um, you know, just knowing that this is good for me. Mm-hmm. And um, there are certain vegetables that I, I've grown to like quite a bit. And there's certain vegetables that I know I should be eating, and I, I still don't like them, but I eat those vegetables. Um, I, I think, you know, if we are, are serious about having a creative life, we have to recognize just as uh, ice cream can't be all that sustains us in the, the, our actual lives, it can't be all that sustains us either in a creative life. We have to come to a place that we recognize that liminal space often is like eating our vegetables. It, it sometimes is paying dues. It sometimes is teaching us things in that liminal space that thank God we were taught that lesson before we arrived in this next space because it would have destroyed us to have not learned that lesson. How many times have you wanted something so badly and didn't get it? And then a few months later, you look back and you saw, oh, I'm so glad I didn't get what I wanted. Mm -hmm. We have such limited perspective. Mm -hmm. And I think a big part of, of trusting the journey of liminal space and why we can see it as holy, even when it doesn't feel holy, is trusting that our perspective is so limited and looking back and seeing the times when wonder has invaded our lives and when there seems to be some sort of plan and purpose moving us towards something, those, I think, are, are the moments we recapture within our, inside ourselves and say, ah, the future can be scary, but who knows how great the future could be. And this is not just a positive thinking seven talking. Um, I've seen some of the most negative, uh, pessimistic people I know have wonderful things happen to them. It's not about the power of positive thinking because every one of us is going to have reigns of wonder and pleasure in our lives and storms that tear up the very foundations. And trying to, to label that uh, in our binary systems of, well, this is good and this is bad, we don't know what's good and bad many times, especially when it comes to how our creative work is received. We don't know whether something uh, is, is, is good or bad much of the time. The key for us as artists is to keep doing the work. Keep doing what we feel passionate about. Keep doing what we feel called to do. Keep doing that thing that continues to bring us life. I will be writing words on pages long after anybody is willing to read them because it brings life to me. It's what my art does for me. And and that is, is why liminal space is holy. I'm constantly in that place of not knowing if what I'm working on is going to succeed in the future. But getting to enjoy the work of it, getting to the point where the the, the actual creation of the thing is so meaningful for me, 
And who knows what happens with it once it's birthed and out in, in the world. You know, there's a, there's a million places to take care of that. There's social media and marketing and all these things to take care of it once it's out in the world. So many of us um, are so focused on that before we even set foot to create something that we forget to enjoy the liminal space of the creation process. That is a wonderful place just to live. Who knows what happens with it once it's out there? Enjoy it now. What is it today you can enjoy, enjoy about your art? What is it today that is going to bring you life out of that art? Who knows, you know, about tomorrow with it? What is it today in the space you're in today? Be there with it today. This crash course in liminal space isn't going to answer all of your questions, but well, it wouldn't really be liminal space if it did, right? Consider this your invitation to try it out, to chase new senses of wonder outside the realm of certainty. It, it may not be as comfortable as where you're at now, but the possibilities are virtually endless. Keep in mind that we explored this as our theme at Story 2019, and all of the talks from more than 20 speakers are available at storygatherings.com. Storygatherings.com. Be sure to check those out. I promise binging on those videos from our speakers will be way more formative to your creative journey than binging on the latest TV series. I believe that. They are well worth the investment of your time and attention. But then what? What's next? Well, we have a whole slew of exciting plans for you guys, the story community, all throughout 2020. We have our annual virtual pep talk coming up in early January. If you aren't on our email list, be sure to go to storygatherings.com and sign up so you can participate in that. It's a totally free event, completely online, from some of our top-rated speakers from this last year's conference. It is the perfect way to kick off another year of creative work. We're also still working towards visiting many of you out on the road throughout the spring and summer. And of course, we're already hard at work planning Story 2020 in Nashville next September, which is already almost 50% sold out. This is not even January yet. That is amazing to me. Naturally, along the way throughout it all, we have some exciting ideas on how to change up even this podcast beginning early next year uh, with season four. I can't believe we're in season four. Let me just pause and just say thank you. Thank you so much for listening, for chiming in, for your encouraging emails and messages. Seriously, guys, they mean the world. I, I love this community we've been building over the last few years. It has completely transformed my life and even the way that I tell stories. But the thing that I'm most grateful for in this community is the way that you guys are telling stories. You're telling stories in ways that aren't just focused on transaction and conversion, but on connection. Even though storytelling has become a buzzword and we've become obsessed with using it to convert, it is really most powerful when it's used as a way to connect. And you're helping people belong by the way that you're telling stories. You're helping them be seen and feel heard. You're helping change the future. And to me, that's what makes all of the hard work of leading this community and producing our gatherings and all of the investment of resources completely worth it. So thank you for being you. And may you embrace the liminality of passing from one season to the next, honoring the space between no longer and not yet. <laughs> <laughs>